one that uh, past passage you're f- probably familiar with. Uh, but Thanksgiving and the role that Thanksgiving plays in our life and what God expects of us with Thanksgiving. And um, we've covered so much material already over the last uh, three weeks, but um, I just am really excited about this message today. And um, we talked about a couple of weeks ago how that true Thanksgiving is established in humility. That to, to come to God, and a lot of, you know, I was thinking about this as we were listening to the, the different, um, singing the different worship songs that we were doing, that there has to be a humbleness of heart in us to come to God. Uh, it's, it's, we're not coming to tell God what to do. We're coming to talk with God about what he has done and what he said he would do. We don't, we're not writing the future. God has written the future already. You know, he already knows the end from the beginning. So, I mean, he already has got it. He sees, he sees your end already. He already knows what's going to happen. He already knows how things are going to play out. He knows what's going on in the United States of America. Don't think for a second that he doesn't. He knows what's going on in the world right now. He knows what's going on with our resources in this world. He knows all those kinds of things. He's not, God is not uh, ignorant of any of that. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnicognizant, which means that there isn't anything that catches him off guard. He can see it every which direction, every different, down all different avenues, even the choices that men make that he doesn't want them to make. He already sees further ahead where that's going to take them and is developing plan, has already developed plans uh, for how to bring man back, mankind back on track. Well, I thought I'd get a better amen out of that. God is way more awesome than you think he is. Let me say that. He is way more awesome, way more incredible. We're real limited in how we can see God. We're finite. He's infinite. We have a finite mind. He has an infinite mind. We see in part. We know in part. We don't know it all. We don't see it all. And so when we talk about thanksgiving, thanksgiving really brings us into a place of humility. And and this passage is really awesome because he says, look, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So if you stopped right there, we, we would have to say, yeah, that's right. All of that's true. All of that's true over our lives. But then he says, look, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So what happens is that what, and what he's teaching us in this passage is, is that as we come before God, we come with thanksgiving. In that thanksgiving, what we're doing is we're bringing ourselves into a place of humility of our of heart, saying, look, you did all this, God. I didn't do this, all right? I did part of, I did what you told me to do, and it worked. Hallelujah. Amen. But thanksgiving is me coming and saying to God, you're God, I'm not God, 
I'm not in charge, you're in charge. Whatever you want, your will be done on earth as it's being done and has already been declared from in heaven. But true thanksgiving establishes a humility. If you've ever had anybody thank you or you've had to thank someone for what they've done, just talking about hum, human being, that you've had to go to them and look, I'm just, you were really in depth and you went to them and said, I am so thankful for what you did for me. I've had people you know, that were just desperate situations and, and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've had people I've called on the phone and, and just that the Lord me in my prayer time and they said, thank you. That, that I can't tell. I don't have words to express what that did for me. You know, the church that we do, it, it happens all the time. But I've had people that have texted back to me when we've said we're praying for you. And they said, I don't think I told you this, but I'm at the doctor's office right now. And I'm ready to go in you how much this means to me that you're praying for me right now because I I just really need this right now. That's humility. That's, 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 and along in the Bible with me, you know, and James we've been reading today even about how that if you're going to come to God, you come humbly. You, you don't come in going, hey dude, what's up? You know, I, I mean, it's, it's that we come before him and there's an honor that is there. There is an honor that is there, and uh, there is humility and a thanksgiving. You know, the Bible teaches us that in the last day that men will be unthankful, that that will be one of the very key characteristics which will lead to unholiness. There is not honor. There is not honor. And if there is, look, if there is not honor... We're heading down the wrong pathway. You know, parents that are, kids that are not honoring their parents, parents that are not honoring their parents, us not honoring our leadership in our country. You know, if you, I don't have time, I get this in my prayer time this morning that the Bible says that, first of all, in the book of Timothy, let men pray for those who are in authority. And then it says, and with thanksgiving. And I'll tell you, I know a lot of Christians, they would choke saying, God, I thank you for President Biden. They would choke. They would rather be choked. <laughs> but that's wrong. I'm telling you, that is wrong. Because that is an honorable, authoritative position and if anybody that we need to be under the hand of God, are you all with me right now? Is our president and all those other people that are in there. See, that's the, that's the dilemma that, that with us is that, look, he didn't say when they're doing what you want, give thanks. He didn't say when you feel like it, give thanks. He said, look, you're to honor, the, you're to pray for those who are in authority and do it with thanks. He didn't say thank him for any boneheaded decisions that they make. And there are plenty of Republicans and Democrats making boneheaded decisions. But what he did say is, is that you honor the, role, the position. You honor that they are in authority. Even though you don't agree with them, you still honor. I didn't always agree with my parents, but they're still my parents, and I still honor them. 
I figured that'd get it quiet in here. Thanksgiving. See, Thanksgiving for us is a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. And I want to talk to you about this this morning because that's what this verse is saying. Look, you've, you, you have to recognize in the midst of all of this that we come to God with gratitude. With the, with, he says, bring before him thanksgiving. Come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And you don't reverse the two. There's the gates, the entrance into all of this is thanksgiving. In the courts you can praise, but in the gates you are thanking because you're, what are you doing? You're doing a paradigm shift in your life. You're recognizing I'm not in charge, God's in charge. Now the problem I think with the church and part of the, what we've dealt with, especially in religion, is, is that somehow we replace gratitude with groveling. We thought come before, come through his gates with groveling. You know, that's like, oh, I'm not worthy shouldn't be oh god why i don't know why you love me god oh, blah, 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 all this stuff like the one lady in my church said uh, in marietta she said i'm such a worm and i said stop saying that because you don't even believe that yourself you're just trying to impress god she left soon after that but the <clears throat> you know people don't believe that garbage because if you told them that's what they were they'd be mad at you you worm you're a dog. That's what you are. You're a dog. That's your problem. So see, we've replaced gratitude with groveling. God isn't calling us to come grovel before him for our unworthiness. We're to come boldly to the throne of grace, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, to obtain mercy in time of need. Are you in a time of need in your life? Then you, you don't belong. You belong at his altar talking to him about what's going on. And the only way you could do that is to come boldly knowing you belong there, that he wants you there, that he wants you there. See, Thanksgiving is a paradigm shift, and paradigm shifts are really powerful things. Um, I'm going to tell you one of big paradigm shift I had in my life. So several years ago, uh, we had a ministry called Helping Hands in our church. We helped a lot of people through Helping Hands. Um, actually, Kathy Krause was the first one to, to bring that uh, to pass. And then Verna Schleiniger stepped in, and Verna was amazing. Verna did a great job with it and uh, led it for years. And, uh, you know, Verna loved it. She cared about people. I mean, she really cared about people, and she built that. And she came to me and said, We're gonna, we have the opportunity for so much money that we could bring a food truck in and we'll put it in the parking lot, and it'll have all these groceries in there that we can give out to people in the community. And I said, well, that's a great idea. So we, we made a commitment to do that, and this truck, I think it would come from Lansing, and it would have all these supplies. And I mean, it was whatever they had. It could be potatoes, it could be carrots, it could be you know, canned goods, it could be whatever. There was all kinds of things that were in this truck. And people would come, and they would line up early in the morning they would line up early in the morning and they would stand there waiting for the truck to come. And when the truck would get there, then we would all go to work and start sorting the food out in the bags so that these people could have it. And they would just wait. They would all be in line. Well, you know, when I, we would get there, we would see all these people there. And I mean, they looked pretty, a lot of them looked pretty rough. I mean, it looked like they had rough lives and were struggling and, 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 it just, it, it didn't look like it was a good situation. And I, in my mind, I started to develop an attitude about people that were needy. I started thinking that, you know, 
uh, so many of these people, I know they come to our food truck and then they're going to the food truck in St. Louis and then they're going to the food truck that's in Alma and, and uh, you know, they're, they're just abusing the system. And like Steve was talking about welfare, you know, I mean, welfare was a bad thing in my mind because I just think how that people were abusing the system. But I saw all these people and I thought, well, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. This is to honor you. You said we're to, if we lend to the poor, we're lending to the Lord. You didn't tell us how to qualify the poor, Okay. One day we were there and we were getting all the food ready and I was just visiting around with people that were there and this one woman came up to me and uh, I hope I can get through this. And uh, she was probably, I'm going to guess that she might have been maybe 62, 63 years old. And uh, she said, thank you for doing this. I said, well, we're, we're, you know, I give her the nice cliche. Oh yeah, well, we're just, you know, honored to be able to, she said, no, she said, I, I want to thank you for doing this. And she says, uh, I work as a home care nurse. And six months ago, I broke my arm. And I've been in a cast all this time, and I wasn't able to go back to work. And I didn't have enough money to be able to make it every month. She said, you guys doing this, has kept me going for six months. That's a paradigm shift. Because you're taking a step back and you're walking around and now you're seeing it from a different vantage point. That's what Thanksgiving does to us. It takes us out of whatever we're looking at and all the things that we're thinking and what we figure we've got all figured out. You know, we got it all figured out. And the Lord puts us in another position and says, uh, dude, ma'am, you don't have it figured out. You don't have it figured out. And I realized that day that what we were doing was we were saving lives. We weren't just giving food to people. We were keeping people going that didn't have a choice. And that's just one story. That's just one testimony that we had. I mean, there are other families that we helped that... I mean, it was just amazing what happened to them. So I got invited to go to the St. Louis prison at one time, and they asked me to come in and to do a Bible study there with the inmates. And I was really like, man, I don't do prison ministry. I help other people. They have a burden to do that. I don't really have a burden to go to the prisons. But the Lord has always challenged me that when there's opportunities to do something, it, if, if, if it comes to you, don't be turning stuff down. You know, because one time I told the Lord, I told somebody, no, I can't come. And, and all of a sudden, ministry opportunities all dried up. And uh, so I've always just tried to really practice, if at all possible, to go. So I said, all right, I'll come. And I had this, man, I was getting ready. And my, my frame of mind getting ready to go in there to do prison ministry was like, I'm going to go help these poor terrible criminals that need to hear about Jesus and they need to be ministered to and they need to know that God, Jesus came for even the worst of criminals. So my posture and preparation was all about looking at it from one vantage point. But I get there and the Lord did this on purpose and I just love how he did it because I got there and I looked at my notes and I looked at the guys that were there and I, all of a sudden, I thought, I can't preach this. 
I can't preach this. And it's this incredible feeling that the Lord just can give you at times where you feel totally lost. Like, what do I do? What, what do I do? I don't know what to say. And I said, Lord, uh, I don't know what you want me to do here. And the Lord said, I want you to look around the room. I heard his voice. He said, look around the room. And I said, okay. So I started looking around at the different guys that were there. I mean, you know, we got tattoos everywhere. We got some rough guys that were there. And, uh, you know, and I'm in a room full of just guys in orange outfits. And, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, so I looked around the room. He said, son, I want you to see something. And he started showing me all the little criminal things that I'd done in my life. <laughs> all these things. And look, I, w I want to tell you there was like only one thing, but... There were a whole bunch of criminal things that I had done. And he said, and he's like saying, okay, so I want you to look at this and remember this and you remember that and remember that in your life. And don't ever think that God chooses to not look at your sin, but that doesn't mean that you didn't do the stuff, all right? And he said to me, he said, now, he said, I want you to realize that the guys that are in this room have done similar things to what you did. There were a couple of guys that had done murder, but there were, most of them there had done crimes like what I had done in my life. I just never got caught. And I saw it. I saw it. I, all of a sudden, I saw that I could be in this place with these guys today. I could be in this room right now. I could not have Sharon Jolliffe in my life or my kids. I could be sitting in it because I did stuff worthy to be in prison. Worthy to be in prison. I stole, I lied, I cheated, I did, I was a pervert, all those things. And so all of a sudden, here's what's happening in the room. I've been moved to a different position. Now I'm thinking, what I've got to do is talk to these men like I'm one of them. And I got up in the pulpit and I said, guys, I want to just say to all of you that are here, that I've done enough stuff in my life that I should be in this cell with you. I am no better than anybody that's here. I'm only, the, only, the only reason I'm alive today and could be here at all is because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. So I want you to first of all know that I don't stand up here thinking I'm better than you. I'm gonna tell you when I got there, I thought I was better than them. You see, God's got your number. He knows... He knows how to get to you. And he'll take you in these situations where you're prideful and you think you got it all figured out and you know why it is the way it is and all your little answers and he'll take you around and say, now I want you to see it from this side. That's called a paradigm shift. See, when we come to God in thanksgiving, when we come into his gates with thanksgiving, what's happening is is we are throwing off our own prideful ideas of what should be happening. And we're coming before God saying, Lord, I'm only here because of the blood of Christ. I can only come into your presence because of what you've done for me. My heart is grateful. Watch how everything changes, see? Instead of coming in mad and angry about everything that's not going the way that you think it should be going right now, 
we come in with an attitude of thanksgiving. You know, we're in a couple of days going to celebrate Thanksgiving, right? I mean, that's a big deal. But the truth is, is that what, what, uh, what we don't think a lot about is, look, these guys didn't really have a lot to be thankful for. Half of them had died while they were through the winter. Half of them had died. They were starving by the time that spring got there, but they had to, you know, they knew that if they didn't plant the seed, they couldn't eat the seed. They had to plant the seed so they would have a future harvest. So here you are, they're faced with this incredible dilemma. It's been a terrible winter. Half the people, there was a hundred and some of them that were there, half of them have died off now. There's about 50 some of them left. And while they're there, they've got just enough seed to put something in the ground. Kids have died, parents have, I mean, it's terrible. And if you and I were in that situation, you know, in our, and what would we be thinking at that? Man, this has been horrible. My life is horrible right now. But they made a choice in the middle of all of that to ask God for help. And what they did is in the middle of this, uh, what was going on as spring came, they got the seed in the ground and it, was, and it was dry and there was a drought going on. They weren't getting any rain. And they prayed and they asked God for rain and the very next day it started raining. And they decided that they needed to give thanks to the Lord. So they stopped to, you know, you know, our storybook mentality about Thanksgiving is just not real. There wasn't turkey on the table, all right? These people were starving. Whatever they had there, and they, here's what they did. They asked even the Indians to come and to sit down at the table with them because they were going to give thanks to God, their creator, and to thank him for what he had done. Thank him, because what's happening because thanksgiving is more about what it does to us ever than what it does to God. God is who he is. But what it does to us is that it puts a paradigm shift in our lives. It makes us get out of our own head and our own thinking, and it moves us around into a place where now we're looking at what God, who God really is and what God is really doing. To give thanks. To give thanks. See, right now you might be facing stuff in your life and man, it's just, oh man, you're just, oh boy, oh boy, this is not good, not good. It's not, look, doesn't look good. And I'm using, to use my faith the best that I can. Look, faith does not work without thanksgiving. It doesn't work. Because what happens is, is, is that you will immediately defeat yourself in faith because you'll start talking about what's really what you see going on instead of what God sees going on. You say, well, I'm only saying what I see. Well, see, saying what you see is not going to produce the results that you want or the results that God wants, excuse me. So what we have to do is we have to lay aside ourselves and lay aside our own attitude and lay aside our own supposition and we have to come the idea here when he said it with thanksgiving is powerful because when, he, when we talk about what that reference is about, it's really talking about bringing the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's an actual reference to Leviticus chapter 7 where God told the people how he wanted them to bring their sacrifice of thanksgiving. There were three offerings about. One was a peace offering, but one was a thanksgiving offering. And that Thanksgiving offering, when they would bring it, and we're not doing another offering, so just relax, all right? 
But that Thanksgiving offering was about them coming before God to the temple, and there was three things that they would do. Now listen, this is really important. The first is they were to give the fat to God. That would be burned on the altar. So in the Thanksgiving offering, the fat is burned on the altar. They were to give a portion to the priests because the priests had no inheritance. So this is their inheritance. So they're honoring God's word by honoring the priests. And so they would give them a portion of whatever it is that they were sacrificing in their Thanksgiving offering. But this last part, I think, is really really key because all the rest, God said, is to be eaten rejoicing with others on the same day that you're making the sacrifice. So what he's saying is, is that, look, when you bring a sacrifice of Thanksgiving, don't do it alone Get some other people, take whatever you're bringing and eat that before God with other people rejoicing at what God has done, giving thanks to his name. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 12 says this, and you will rejoice during that offering before the Lord your God and your sons and your daughters and your male and your female servants and the Levite who is within your gates since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. So what he's saying is, look, this is a time. Take part of that offering of thanksgiving to the Lord is you get to share in the, with others in the meal, in the sacrifice. We give our portion to God. We give our portion to the priest in honor to the covenant that God has made with us. And then the rest of it, he says, have a party. Have a party. Just let's have a party, man. Let's rejoice. Let's be thankful for what God has done. Let's be thankful. You know, and it is a party whenever you get into a place where you're not looking at what things are going on, but you're starting to see things from God's vantage point of what he says he's doing. There are lots of people that it's looking at right now what's going on, and they're going to really struggle through this season. The only way that you're going to make it through truthfully and come out strong, I'm going to start a series here in a couple of weeks about being strong in in the Lord, but the only way you're going to come out strong in the midst of all of that is, is that you can't look at what's going on. You have to put your heart at what is God doing? What is God doing? People might think, well, you're just telling us to bury our heads in the sand. No, but I am telling you to turn your TV set off. Get away from all the, all the media stuff that's pushing at you constantly, deteriorating your faith. I mean, it is. It's deteriorating your faith. You can't listen to a half hour of news and then listen to or read 10 minutes a day and think somehow you're an overcomer. Pastor, that was awesome. Thank you. The essential ingredient of true worship is thanksgiving. You know, when we come to church and, I mean, we're going to, you know, we're going to worship the Lord like we, we were doing this morning. If our heart isn't right, if our heart isn't thankful, it's going to be hard to worship. We're going to be more interested in what's happening than what God is doing. We're going to be more focused on the songs that we're singing or the sound of the song or who's singing it instead of focused on who God is, what God has, and what God will do. When we come with thanksgiving, the gates. Remember the gates? This is how I get in before God is I come through those gates with thanksgiving. Is anybody grateful for anything today? 
I mean, are you grateful for anything? I mean, I started thinking about, you know, what am I grateful for before I got to church today? There's a lot I'm grateful for, man. I mean, just, just so, you know, everything, I mean, truthfully, everything that we see has been built by someone else or built on the back of someone else. You know, when I live, I'm down on my farm when it, I mean, and it was cold this morning. I mean, it was 15, I'm out there trudging through the snow to take care of the animals. And you know, you can get a little whiny about that. Don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good right now. But I remember that about 100 years ago when somebody decided to put a farm on that property, it was way harder for them than it is for me. I mean, look, I didn't have to clear tree. I don't have to clear trees. I got a warm house to go up to, and I don't have to f- go cut firewood so that we've got a wood stove that will keep us warm in the house. I didn't have to pull stumps. Have you ever pulled stumps? Stumps are not fun to get out of the ground, but somebody had to do that there. They cut all those, you know, when I walk out into my barn and I look in that barn, I see all those beautiful timbers that are there. There's oak timbers that are in there that still have the bark on them. Somebody cut those down on that property and then they hold them. And then I look at how in the world did in a hundred years ago, did they get those beams up there as high as they are? I mean, how many guys did that take? Because they're super heavy and there's one, I think it's like almost 40 feet long. How'd they do that? And you know what? I'm glad I don't have to do it. You're going to walk out of here today and get in your vehicle that more than likely will have heat in it so that you will drive home in a heated vehicle. Now, wouldn't it be something if you had to ride home today in a horse and buggy? You ever see those Amish folks riding in those horse and buggies? People say, oh, I'd love to get back to a more simpler life. No, you wouldn't. Not on a day like today, you wouldn't. I mean, you might be thinking about their pies and chicken, but I'm telling you in that buggy, it's cold. There's no heater in there, right? And here you have to ride, you know, five. This church and this building, I always respect the fact that, look, I came here in 92, but in 87 when they moved into this building, this thing was nothing but a tractor dealership. There has been a lot of work that was done before I ever got here, a lot of money that was poured into this property, a lot of people that gave dearly to keep this going And there was plenty of opportunities to quit along the way, I'm sure. But they kept giving and kept sowing, kept believing, and kept fighting. What we have, we have because of others. The faith that we have is because of others, not because somehow we invented it. It's because of the people that sacrificed. You know, it used to be unpopular to be spirit-filled. I know that's not, you know, it used to be like we were outcasts of society. You know, if you spoke in tongues, you were like, snake handlers, right? I mean, that was the rule. You know, especially down where I was at in Marietta, man, I mean, we're like the rivers, the only thing that separates us of West Virginia. And man, you know, you talk about healing and miracles and speaking in tongues and a praise and worship. I mean, it was just like, oh my goodness, it was so taboo. It was so wrong. But we fought through. Now, it's happening in Baptist churches and Presbyterian churches and Catholic churches and all. And look, it's not as big a deal today as it was back then, but it's built off the backs of somebody else. And we should be grateful. This country that we live in, 
no matter how much we might be upset about things that are going on, this country was built on the backs of people that paid their lives with their lives so we could have what we have today. And we should be grateful. We should be grateful for what God has done. You know, we gripe and complain sometimes about how our kids are not thankful for what we've done for them. But have we really taken a look at how ungrateful we have been for what our parents did for us? Or how about our grandparents? The sacrifices that they made that you maybe don't even know about, but they made sure you were taken care of. We should be grateful. We should be grateful. Now, the great good news is in our sacrifice to the Lord, Hebrews 13, 15 tells us that we are to make the sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's what it tells us, Hebrews 13, 15. The sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, which is our mouth, okay, which is our mouth, giving thanks to his name. See, the good news is we don't have to bring a goat or a bull or an animal to be sacrificed. Jesus is our sacrifice permanently. But, but there's two parts to the sacrifice. There's what you brought and there's what you say. There's what you brought and there's what you say. We would all agree that Jesus has been that great sacrifice for us. But would we bring the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name? Would we give thanks to his name? I want you to stand with me, if you would. Hallelujah. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. Father, I just ask you right now, just close your eyes, if you would, and just, I want you to begin to think of how grateful right now you are to God. How grateful you are to God for his goodness to your life. See, it's a paradigm shift for us. God, thank you for all the times that I could have destroyed my life and you protected me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life that I don't deserve, but because of Christ, I have it. Thank you for the blood that has cleansed Richard Jolliffe's life and made him whole. Thank you, Father. Come humbly before you. Come on, you think about what you're thankful for. God, I thank you for my wife. The sacrifices that she has made to be with me, I am grateful, God. Thank you, God, for my kids. Thank you that you have blessed us with the children that we have, God. Father, may my life not be consumed with what I don't have, but may it be consumed with what I do have. That's a word for somebody here today. You're allowing what you don't have to consume you. You need to stop. That's not help. That's not going to get you where you want to go. God, may my life be lived, consumed with what you have blessed me with, what I have right now. 
not with what's not working, not with what I want to have happen. God, I thank you. I lift my hands to you this morning. With thanksgiving, I bring the sacrifice of praise. And in the midst of that, God, it might be tough, Lord, for some to hear today to, to, to give thanks because they're struggling through. But God, I thank you there is a shift in the Spirit, in Jesus' name. Gratitude that brings them into the courts of praise. I praise you, Father, for your goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And let's just stay in this attitude. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, if you would.